A note to the audio listeners, this episode makes reference to Matthew Sylvester's art that is shared during the interview. A link to the video version of this interview will be shared in the show notes. Welcome to Vermont Artists and Authors, where we interview great storytellers and artists from the amazing Green Mountain State. This is episode four. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed fine artist and professional illustrator, Matthew Sylvester. We have here Matthew Sylvester, who is a painter and illustrator living in central Vermont. And for those that are from Vermont, that means something. And for those that don't live in Vermont, central Vermont means absolutely nothing to you. <laughs> uh, and, and so Matthew here, after earning a, a BFA in fine arts at uh, Maine College of Art in Portland, uh, spent several years uh, working in independent comics. Now he has retired from working in uh, comics and now he does uh, illustration and other work for various clients doing book covers, movie posters, uh, concept art. And now he also paints and exhibits a lot of his work in various galleries in New England. For the sake of the, the audience who might be listening or also the ones that might be watching, uh, give people a, a bit of a background on how you got to where you are today. I grew up basically in Durham, Maine. Coincidentally enough, uh, that's Stephen King's hometown. Oh, okay. so yeah, he was actually a childhood friend of my dad's, which was kind of interesting. But I didn't get into his books until I was like a teenager. But um, yeah, I grew up just being interested in things like you know uh, Walt Disney, The Peanuts, Mad Magazine, and started drawing at a pretty early age. Um, I remember. I quit baseball to take art lessons. <laughs> and, you know, I, I know my, probably my dad was just like a little like, oh man, because he was the coach. <laughs> <laughs> but it was what I really wanted to do, you know. Um, and I think I really started getting into doing artwork for my imagination. Um, when Star Wars came out when I was 10 and my parents got me the art of Star Wars for Christmas. Okay. And that's when I really put it together. Like, Oh crap. Wow. These people can just put their ideas down and it gets put on screen and they can make their imagination come to life. So that's when I sort of really buckled down and started diving deep into the imagination aspect of it. Um, High school took as much art as I could, independent study, you know, just, I was actually on, on <laughs> I was gearing towards an engineering possible uh, career, you know, a lot of math, a lot of science, and I shadowed an engineer for two days and I was so bored. <laughs> so that, that sunk the deal for me. It's like, I'm going to art school. <laughs> so uh, yeah, off to Maine College of Art for, four years. Um, it, it was a good, I mean, it was a good program. The, you know, you definitely get all your foundation courses, all the drawing, 3D, color. Um, did a double major in painting and printmaking. Um, it was interesting back then that college, you know, 
it was mostly a fine arts college. It was, illustration was kind of a dirty word, <clears throat> believe it or not. But now they have a great illustration program, which is kind of cool. So um, after graduating, I was like, well, got these student loans, I gotta pay them. <laughs> so I basically, I worked at an art store and started managing it at one point. And I also worked as a cook and a chef at a European bistro. And then I did comics. And I did that for like three or four years all together. Um, but that was my initial foray into comic books. So started working for a couple of small independent companies. Um, actually, the guy came in to get supplies and uh, I was like, oh, well, what do you need it for? And he's like, oh, we do comics. I'm like, oh, really? Well, I'm an artist. He's like, well, send us some samples. And so I sent some samples and he's like, hey, I got just the book for you. And uh, so that sort of started my career there. Um, it was a huge learning curve too, because I hadn't done sequential art. And as you know, and I'm sure a lot of people do, it's, you know, making sure everything has a continuity to it. And, but it was, it was fun at the start. As, as I went on in the years, things got busy because I was an art director at one and doing art at another. And sometimes it'd be like, oh, this convention's coming up. We need you to pencil and ink this book in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and that was okay. I jammed on it for certainly a couple of years and going to conventions was fun. And um, the art director part was cool too, because you got to meet a lot of different artists. And um, But one of the people that I worked for, he... Uh, do you know who Dick Ayers is? The name sounds familiar. Yeah, he was one of the original Marvel guys. He, you know, he worked with Jack Kirby. He did like Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, X-Men. Okay. He came to a convention that we put on. He and his wife showed up. He was like in this like really cool green seersucker suit. I picked them up at the airport at like midnight. And uh, he and his wife was like, they're like, is there a bar that's open where we can get a, you know, a beer and something? To eat? You know, he was like 70. Yeah. really cool guy and we got talking and spent time hanging out at the convention and he saw some of my airbrush work that I had done so he was working on a, a book called Chiron for this guy I think it was licensed to be made into a movie by Fox or something but never happened but he's like would you airbrush my covers for me and I was like oh yeah <laughs> like I don't even need any money I'll you know I'll do this no problem so I think I had gotten the second one airbrushed and the guy who was running the whole show had our work and was gonna show it to some people. He did conventions too. Didn't hear from him for a while. And so I called uh, Dick and said, hey, you know what's going on? He's like, no, I haven't heard anything. Do you? He's like, I basically pencils and ink four books and don't know what's going on. So come to find out this, guy had some huge financial problems and skipped town with like all of my portfolio, oh, no. all the artwork. Um, so yeah, at that point I'm like, I don't want to work for somebody else and have this happen. Right. So that's sort of when I move more towards the illustration end and um, 
sort of like a gun for hire, like, and I did a few more comics, uh, weird things like there was one Exxon was trying to clear up its name after one of their big spills back in the early nineties. Yeah. <laughs> so they had this idea for the sea babies. <laughs> so yeah, I worked on some odd things like that. And another title was these brothers that were dentists. They were making, it was called Kempo commandos, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was fun, but I, I kind of got burnt out at the end and, and realized that I was more interested in doing like, uh, you know, one shot paintings and cover art. And so sort of pulled up stakes and moved to Vermont to caretake a house and just sort of tucked into that for a while. Yeah. So um, was it, what, what was the, the piece that kind of made you, what was, do you think was it, was it that defining moment of when the guy skipped out of town with your portfolio or, or was it, the the timeline and like the the stress of getting the work done or was it a combination of both it was definitely a combination of those things don't get me wrong my hat's off to anybody who does sequential work and it you know there's some really amazing artists and they do a great job at it but i realized it wasn't quite the thing for me especially because i you know, you've seen a lot of my work. I'm pretty meticulous about what I do and detail oriented and just the hours were, <laughs> were ungodly and, you know, the tra traveling and back then shows were different. They weren't as big as they are now with a lot of the cosplay and stuff. So it was like, you'd go all day and then you'd hunker down in your hotel room and you'd be, you know, penciling or inking and it, it just, it started to take the, the joy out of it, you know, like the fun. Right. So, and it's funny cause it's like, Oh yeah, I want to be in comics so bad. You know, I, I was totally into X-Men and everything else. And, um, but yeah, that it, it just wasn't working for me anymore, but great experience. Yeah. Definitely. If you want to, it, instilled in me like if i'm hired to do something and i have a timeline i stick to it it would definitely taught me how to put my nose to the grindstone and right yeah so was that something that you were able to, to take away from that would be uh from the work that you did is that it kind of instilled you like that kind of the, that work ethic that did you have before yeah i i already kind of had that in me um from art school mm-hmm you know, going to art college, that's, you're more left on your own. And, um, but it was also art school is a little bit, you know, for me, it was a little bit confusing too, because like I said, illustration was sort of a, a dirty word at that time. Like no one considered illustrators as fine artists. So I, I kinda, <laughs> I remember being in a critique of all my paintings and whatever. And I always, you know, I had a lot of ideas. So there was always paintings about, it wasn't figure studies. It wasn't still lives. It was like these ideas I had and there were monsters and there were like, you know, dark bridges with strange figures on them and just things. That, so someone finally asked me like, what are you doing here? Like, why are you here? <laughs> and I was like, I wanted to get a better skill set so I could be, you know, the best illustrator I could be. Right. And everybody was pissed. My teacher was, you know, my instructor was pissed. And some of the, my fellow 
people in my painting building were like, like upset at me. And I was kind of chucked in the doghouse. <laughs> it, was, it was one of the strangest things in my life. Luckily, there was a, a guy named uh, Al Gardner. He was a printmaker and he was my saving grace. He was, he was this Mainer who really talented and kind of took me under his wing and just, you know, he sort of pulled me through all those troubled times and like pushed me in a direction that was appropriate for me. So, right. Your artwork is pretty interesting in the sense that it has this, your art style. Uh, how did, where did you get your art style in the sense that it, your horror images that are, are not, they're not, I would put this, they're not scary, but they're engaging. They really create, they right. kind of pull something out of the back of your imagination. What's your inspiration behind this? I mean, I mean, like I talked about earlier is definitely, you know, tapping into the imagination, like pulling those things that are in your head and, and bringing them forward. And, you know, I was always looking at people like, you know, Ralph McGuarrie, Bernie Wrightston, Frank Frazetta. Um, I was reading Stephen King books. I was into horror movies. In high school, I had a job at a video store and just, you know, <laughs> watched way too many horror films. I've always been attracted to images that sort of tell a story without spelling everything out. You're, I, I think the, the best images are ones where you look at it in your head, you start making your own story. I haven't told you what you are looking at. I've given you an idea. I've given you some things to sort of engage you. And hopefully you create the story behind that. Right. Um, and sometimes it's like you don't reveal everything. Maybe there's a dark figure in the corner. Maybe there's, I try to leave something up to the imagination. Mm -hmm. You know, not, it's, oh, here it, it's a woman with a chainsaw and a bathing suit, you know, fighting zombies. Yeah. You know, it, there, there's a, there's some background to that. I think, of, you know, Stephen King was a big influence, his writing. Um, very, I don't know, you know, when you read a Stephen King book, he's not very flowery with language. He uses common words that we all use every day, but he weaves them so well that you get this really strong picture in your mind. And also I think too, you know, I was definitely influenced. I love movies. So that was, I, that's how most of my images happen is I'm playing like this, <laughs> this movie in my head of this thing that I think of. And as the movie's going, I'll freeze a frame. Right. It seems to be how I've always come up with images. I don't know why it's that way, but I think just a kid growing up. I mean, I originally wanted to be a special effects artist right. as a kid, but just didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> one, a couple of the, the prints that I have of yours, you know, and this is the one here was, I really liked it a lot. I remember when I was behind you or something at one of the conventions, cause I got, I got two girls and you got a, you got a daughter. I do. And, and the, yeah. And that's, and you tell me this was kind of inspired. The model is that you did of your, of your daughter, correct? Right. Right. Do you want me to pull it up on screen with that? Yeah. If you want to yeah, go ahead and pull it up on screen and then we can kind of narrate it to those that might be listening later. Well, I think my daughter was probably about nine at the time, maybe eight. And we would make up like stories during her bedtime. It'd be like a continuing story or we'd make up a new one. And we got talking about this one. She had a couple of stuffed animals. Uh, Tinkle Bear, 
and Murphy. And he had this duct tape hat that she made with tiger, <laughs> tiger print. But it was talking about a girl's imagination that is so strong that when she falls asleep, it becomes a reality. So we talked about like, oh, what happens if the wall, you know, the wall would dissolve away and all of a sudden you're in the middle of this war and you're fortified in your bunk bed. And that's where this whole image came from. You know, instead of you seeing her in the, these fighting the monsters or whatever it is, you don't see them. They're not part of the frame. You know, that's sort of gonna leave that up to the imagination. Like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, and she also wanted to be what she wanted to, she's like, when you draw me, can you sort of draw me when I'm 13? So that, that was kind of interesting, just uh, figuring out, you know, when people are younger, their faces are much smoother and rounder. Right. And as you grow older, a little bit more angulation, you know, jaw lines and change and eyes change a little bit and, you know, a little bit more muscular structure. It was kind of a fun exercise to think of things like that. Because what, I mean, what we're looking at here, it's kind uh, of, can you kind of describe it for us? Her stuffed animals sort of taking action. Um, you don't see what's happening on the, uh, the right side of the screen. And you can see that there's some arrows that have hit. There's one that's burning in the bed. So it's coming from somewhere. Right. Um, so they're, they're getting ready to fight. Fight what? I don't know. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, boat. Yeah, that is, I, I, I loved it. I, when I saw that, I just said, yeah, this is an amazing. Well, thank you. Thank, yeah, it was, it was a, definitely a piece of endearment for sure. And yeah. it was one of my first big digital pieces like complete digital pieces i was just starting to play around with digital art so so you did this from you didn't draw this out this is all by no well on the computer so basically it started out as a pencil okay so was this done digitally or no this okay. was um, I still really enjoy using traditional medium. I love the feel of a pencil. I love right. pen and ink. Um, and then you scan it and then turn it to like a, a digital render, a black and white digital render. And then from there, you can start blocking in colors. You know, it, it was a good lesson because you had to figure out like, oh, how do you create, you know, clipping masks and masks so that each right. thing has its own layer and you don't, when you're painting over it, you don't bleed out into the next figure or object. Are you using Adobe for this or? Yeah, Adobe Photoshop, sometimes Painter. I start by blocking in big areas of color, go in and start adding like some softness and texture. And, and that's when you start thinking about things like, like in the finished piece, um, you know, you can see that in the bed, putting in the shadows, but there's also, you got to, be aware of like ambient light, you know, light bouncing off the floor, um, light from this arrow hitting the back of her arm. What happens with shadows? You start with the basic blocks and then you slowly start adding detail. And then as more detail comes in, that's when you can start thinking about how light affects the situation. And it was, it's a little difficult because you have, you have to have the overall lighting situation, which is sort of flooding the whole picture. 
which was the idea there's some sort of doorway or something off to the right. And then you got to start thinking about how that affects all the other little light sources like the fire burning and reflected light. And yeah, it's, um, well, and also too, it's like when you compare it to what you're talking about earlier with like sequential art, where you're telling a story through several panels, maybe, you know, four, but you're, you're telling it an entire story in one picture, which is right in a way, in some cases, way more complicated. A lot of sketching goes into one image. Cause like you said, you're trying to tell a story by just one panel. Right. Yeah. And so let me ask you the question though, is like in, in your, in your foot, in your photograph reference, was there the, the dog leash hanging on the doorknob or was that, was that another deliberate thing you added into the picture just to create more of a story? Um, that was something I th threw in there because, you know, if, if you actually, you know, put your hand in front of that and take it out, it really, oh, that okay. whole background becomes sort of dead and flat. Okay. But it's also a little piece of something she used to, she always wanted a dog. And so she had this stuffed dog that she had a leash for. Oh, that's cool. And she'd walk it around. And uh, right. so that it's just like one of those little things that tells a tiny bit of a story. Right. And, you know, even up in here, there's this little tiny piece of her favorite blanket hanging down. <laughs> and those only I will know, but it, it, who knows, maybe it was just a little time capsule for myself or something. I, th I think as an artist, you should always challenge yourself. And there was a guy named Kieran Yanner. He's a concept artist and worked for Magic the Gathering. And he was saying he did a lot of things like you just saw. I have like one or two figures in a piece, but he's like, I've never done something with five or six. And I was like, oh my God, neither have I. Well, you know, that would be a challenge. So, so I challenged myself <laughs> with a multiple figure piece. Um, and this was a this was where I learned the most about Photoshop because it's just there's so much nutty detail. So the you know the I tried intentionally to make things reflective of the people that are there. Um, and uh, this actually inspired. There's a, a writer. His name's Tom Carnell. He's a horror writer, and he actually uh, wrote a short story based on it. And it was really interesting. It's called Sorority. Uh -huh. um, but it was a totally kind of different take on how I had thought of it, which I love because that's the idea. You know, what's, what's the story that someone pulls out of what I've presented to them? So, so to talk to us about <clears throat> the, the method you put this together, because you showed us you put, you had the photographs there. Right, right. I don't have the pencil drawing, but I have, it went, for, it was a pencil drawing, then it became an ink drawing. Okay. Pen and ink over all this, then scan it. Um, and then once it's scanned, you basically get rid of the white background and you just have your line drawing. Right. Um, and then it was uh, meticulously starting to block, let's see, I got, start right. blocking in big areas again. Right. Um, try to get the local color. And you also have to be thinking too, there has to be like an overall color sensation when you get done. It has to have a, a cohesive feel. So planning that out, you know, making sure the red's not like too fire engine red. 
and sticks out too much. Um, and is that something you think you kind of learned through just, just a visual eye or is that something that you, you were it, learned well, at art school? Art school, years of painting, yeah. you know, just doing, you know, that's how you're going to, anything you do, you know, you put your 10,000 hours in or, or plus, as right. you know, you know, you, you get better in, in these instincts start popping up. And actually this lesson uh, at the time I was taking a figure drawing group uh, once a week. And there was a guy named Billy Brower. Um, he passed away not too long ago, but he's a really excellent uh, figurative artist and excellent painter. He was in his seventies teaching this class and he would, he would get on me. And uh, this was some of the lessons I learned for him was, you know, even, you know, even at my age, there's still some lessons to be learned or old lessons to, to bring back to the forefront. And, um, you know, I, I think if you're going to be an artist and you're going to be, want to still be excited about art and keep doing it, you know, you got to look, you got to be a perpetual student. Mm. You know, challenge yourself, do something you're uncomfortable with, take yourself out of the comfort zone. Cause that's the only way you're, you know, you're going to grow and move forward. I mean, I, unfortunately, you know, I, I run into people who are really talented and they're sort of like stuck in this static spot and, you know, it's just, no, that's my style. That's just the way I do it. It's too bad because there's that potential for growth. So, you know, why not take yourself out of the, your comfort zone? It's, you might be doing some sucky art for a little bit, but I think what you're going to gain on the back end, right. it's pretty valuable. Well, I mean, you, 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 you expand your toolbox by learning some other. For sure. Yeah. 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 Um, what were some of the things that you learned from Photoshop on this picture that you were able to translate that you're able to carry forward on your, your dinosaur illustration? It, it was just basically learning the basic tools, you know, a lot of the, I expanded my knowledge on masking things off, keeping things separated, making sure I had the, you know, the right color layer settings. And it's just all those little tiny technical things. I made some of my own brushes that were, um, I think we can expand a little bit, you know, so, the brushes have it. You can see they're a little bit more painterly mm -hmm. in their strokes. Um, I, I kind of like that for me in digital art. Right. And this yeah. goes again into <clears throat> what you're talking about, your theme of showing more and not, and letting, you know, letting the viewer's imagination kind of take over. Right, right. Exactly. Um, Who do you, who's your go-to who's the one that will say i bet so-and-so probably figured this out let me look at some of their stuff or what are some of the ones that kind of spark your imagination and start moving you mentioned stephen king earlier but what about like some visual artists um early on it was definitely ralph mcguarie who did a lot of the production paintings for star wars oh, okay. um yeah you'll i'm sure you'd recognize them definitely you know frazetta was there for sure um 
you know, Ken Kelly, he did things like the Kiss cover and, okay, you know, uh, but also I, I like Norman Rockwell, mm -hmm. you know, painters like that. Um, so those were some of the early, I, I mean, you know, we could, the list can certainly get like larger and longer. Right. You know, someone like Bierstadt or those Hudson River schoolers, the, yeah. the pre-Raphaelites. Yeah, I was going to say, Daniel yeah. Gabriel Rossetti is yep. like, yeah, that's some of your, you go. your lights yeah. remind me of that a lot. Yeah, yeah, the lighting. You know, the dramatic lighting of like Caravaggio, mm -hmm. those really scary Italian <laughs> <dying> paintings. <laughs> um, so I drew a lot from those, but I think it's good, you know, for me, it's good to put those things away and just sort of like dig deep into what you're doing. Right. Um, Cause it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard not to be influenced by somebody. Right. Um, For people wanting to go into illustration and learn more about that and try to, you know, make a go, uh, make that into a career and make it into a, a viable you know, viable work, what would be some of your advice that you wish somebody told you when you first started? Well, <laughs> why are you bringing out the big guns? <laughs> um, I think I wish, wish somebody was like, would have told me to stick to my guns, you know, pursue the things that interest you what makes you excited about doing the work that you do don't you know definitely don't try to be like anybody else i like i said art school is a big learning curve for me because i tried to fall in with the crowd a little bit and it just wasn't me um it didn't feel right i don't know what i i, th I think if someone would have told me to be a little bit better, you know, what criticism, you know, criticism isn't there to belittle you, uh, it, you know, it's there basically to show you where you need work. It's so valuable because you can start filling in those holes and it's, you know, it, it's gonna make your growth curve that much more exponential. And also I think um, make, a lot of mistakes and be okay with that. Mistakes are your, honestly, you know, they're like kind of your biggest teacher and your best friend. You know, every mistake you make, you're not gonna carry that over into the next piece of work. Mm. You know, you're sort of, you're sort of uh, chipping away at those holes in your skill set. Um, and I think I, someone just play more. You know, don't be so serious about every single, I mean, it's hard when you have a client or you're doing something for someone, but play a little bit more. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm doing now later in life. Yeah. I wish I would have done it sooner, but that's okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm having fun. So <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know it then, but now I do is like it, it expand your toolbox. I mean, you know, do as many things as you can and try things 
And if, if you don't like it, then you just don't do it again, you know? You know, start, turn a few pots on a wheel. If you don't like it, don't do it. Um, try watercolor. If it, after a while, it's not your thing that's okay. You gave it a shot. I just think having all that stuff in your available. Right. They, they will definitely feed each other. Right. You know, just enjoy, be a student. I, I personally, I don't know about you, but I know at this age, I love learning new things. I like doing new things, things that are different. It, it just, it sort of frees you up when you have that mindset. You know, you don't have to be the master or the best. You're still learning. You're still pulling in information. There's people that can teach you things. Uh, where can, where can people find you? Where can people find your work? Um, you can find me uh, MatthewSylvesterArt.com or MatthewSylvesterArt on Instagram, uh, Facebook, same thing, just MatthewSylvesterArt. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate it. And, it, uh, and the, we got some, some good advice from you and we got some good techniques from you. And, uh, you know, being cooped up, it's just so nice to talk to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Matt. You bet, Barney. Thanks so much.